So we're going to talk a little bit about prayer today, and it's kind of intro there a little bit already, and uh, what is it, why is it, how is it? You know, last week we talked a little bit about sinner's prayer and how we find examples of prayers of repentance throughout the Scripture, you know, because we know that the Scripture's work is one. It's not just the New Testament. It's not just the Old Testament. It is one testament of Yahweh our God. It is one of Him that He gave to us. It's His Word from the very beginning to the very end, okay? So how do we flow through the example here that we're given and uh, show us how things, how the Father desires for us to live? And it's not just about, I hope you're figuring it out, it's not just about like a list of rules and do's and don'ts and things like that. Matter of fact, Yeshua said he came not to do away with the Torah, not to do away with the law, but to cause it to be fulfilled, which doesn't mean to cause it to go away. It means to cause it to be firm and established and stand in our life. In other words, we kind of missed it. And he was showing us good examples. He was showing us he is the example to follow as we live this life. So what do we do? How do we live? What are the things that we're supposed to, um, supposed to help out? And just, you know, oftentimes people tell us, so, you know, God, what do you want me to do, right? You know, what is God's will for my life? It's not as complicated as you think. You know, we, we want like detailed breakdown, okay? First at, you know, 5.57, you're going to get up. At 5.59, you're going to go and you're going to pray. And at 6.03, you're going to get a cup of coffee. You know, that's his grace. <laughs> but it's not exactly what it is. It's not about, you know, a list of rules and breakdowns of all these things. It's about the Father desires for us to have relationship with Him. And it's always been about relationship. From the very beginning, first when He created the heavens and the earth and Adam and, and, and put mankind in the garden. I mean, from the very beginning, it's always been about relation. And so we don't have Yahweh walking in the cool of the day in the garden in our midst. So how do we keep in connection with He gave us? He lives with you. As a matter of fact, He says that when you receive Him, when you repent and you come to Him, He said now that He lives within you. And so we have a direct line to the heavens. We have a direct way to talk to the one who created you. You know, we think that when we pray, well, I'm not a very good, you know, speaker. You have to be to pray. I don't have very elaborate prayers. Nobody said you did. You know, we, we can get hung up on, I mean, we all have people that we kind of enjoy listening to and speeches and talking. And, and, and I don't know about you guys, but there are some people, man, just I love to hear them pray. You just feel their relationship with the Father when you do, you know. But nobody says that you have to be that guy because prayer is, is simply. And when you talk to him, it's not just about the same thing. It's not just saying, okay, Yahweh, I'm awake. These are the things that I want from you today. It's not relationship, is it? You know, how would you feel if the only time your kids ever said anything to you is when they wanted something? It wouldn't make them not your kid, but you'd be like, oh, what do you want now? <laughs> right? We need that communication and that relation. So prayer as, as speaking, it's awesome. And in order to do that, we got to get in the Word because that'll teach us how to discern and it'll teach us what His Spirit is trying to reveal to us, okay? So we've got to get in there and we've got to see what happens there. And, and it was no different with Yeshua and His disciples. I mean, think about this. If you were able to spend time with Yeshua, what kind of questions would you ask? Him? You know, and, and, and so here were his Talmudim, and they were there, and they asked him questions. And we don't know all the questions that they asked him. I mean, did Adam have a belly button? I don't know, you know. We don't know what kind of questions they asked, but we, are, we do have a record of some things that we felt uh, is important for us to, to live in and be established today. Things like, how should we pray? 
you know, Yeshua's disciples asked him the same thing. They said, teach us to pray. And so how did this flow out? What, what, what happened? Let's take a look at it. Okay, let's go to, over to Luke. It didn't change. Let's go to Luke 11, verses 1 through 4. It says, uh, so now Yeshua was praying in a certain place. When he finished, notice we're not told where it was, right? So he was there. And when he was praying in a certain place, when he finished, one of his disciples, are we told which one? No, no. Why? Because that's not really important to the story. It's not really important about what's going on here. Nor are we told specifically where he was. That's not important here as well. Because you know what would happen? They'd end up building a church right there over the spot. This is where Yeshua came and he prayed. And I want to pray at the same place. You're missing the point. Okay? You're missing the point. All right? What, he, what goes on here, he says, so teach us to pray. So what happens? So uh, his master teaches to pray as John taught his disciples. And Yeshua said to him, so when you pray, say... Father, sanctify be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. There's a few things to point out here, you know, this is the Lord's Prayer, we also see this in, in Matthew as well, which we'll come over to that in a minute, okay? But here in Luke 11, they said, first off, it's interesting to note, they said, teach us to pray like John's disciples taught them to pray. And, and I want to point out here that Yeshua did not say, wait a minute, you want me to teach you to pray like John's telling his disciples to pray? Hello. So he's like, I, 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 I got the urge to just say, you want to pray? Talk. <laughs> you know? But that's not what he did. So he said, so when you pray, pray like this. So what was the point of this prayer? What was really going on? Okay. So when we pray, if we follow this example that's given here, you know, so what is our motive behind it? Okay. Um, notice in this prayer that he said, did he ever say, I my, mine, or me? No. So what's the first thing that that tells you? Corporate. So when you're praying, don't isolate yourself. Now this doesn't mean, we know we talked about the scripture says, so when you pray, go into your prayer closet. This isn't contradicting that. What he's getting at is saying when you pray, there's a personal thing about prayer, but there's also a thing about not forgetting you are part of a people. See, especially in America, we've got this big thing about forgetting other people. It's always about us. It's always about me. It's always about what I want. and always about, you know, the things in my life and my family, and I don't care about anything else. That's not how we're supposed to pray. We're supposed to pray in mind of, yes, the Father wants to establish things in your life and within your family and your households. But at the same time, don't forget to pray for the body at large. Don't forget to pray for your brothers and sisters. Don't forget to lift them up. Because if you're going through something, they're going through something. Okay? Matter of fact, I think it's just safe to admit, if you're alive, you're going through something. So let us pray. You know, pray for one another. Lift one another up because that's how we can help. You know, it's kind of like the ideas of, uh, and you hear, so what can I do? Well, I guess all we can do. Wrong! See, it's like, why, is, why is prayer like the last ditch effort? You know, I guess I've done everything else. We might as well try prayer. You know, no, prayer is the first thing we do. Okay, prayer is the first thing that's established. And, and because that is, is, again, that connection with the Father and lifting each other up and building our hope and building our faith and encouraging one another and helping us to be focused on what's important. You know, because no matter what you're going through, it doesn't change who Yahweh is. No matter what's happening, it doesn't change that his word is true. No matter what's going on, it doesn't change that he said he watches over his people. We don't understand all the answers and why things happen this way, but yet we do know God is faithful, okay? So these are the things that we need to have established within us. It's not just praying about me, okay? So when we pray, and not even saying you can't ask for the things you need in your life, right? He says before you even ask, he knows. He, he, he wants you to ask. He wants you to have these things established, but that shouldn't be all you're praying, okay? I'm not saying it can't be part, 
but that shouldn't be the, the, the totality of it, all right? So what is prayer? There's a couple things to consider, okay? Prayer is a dialogue. Prayer is communication, communicating with Yahweh. Prayer is about relationship. Here's another one. It's about our submission, acknowledging Him as Lord and King. And as we pray, we humble ourselves to pray. Praying is about being content. Prayer is being humble. And prayer is acknowledging the sovereignty. He is in heaven. We're here on earth. Scripture says what? So let your words be few. That doesn't mean you can't say anything. It means just watch over your heart, watch over yourself, watch over your things, and be careful so that you're honoring him in the things that we do. We need prayer to keep that line, okay? The Webster's, and I'm not saying Webster's the authority on Scripture, okay? I'm just saying, if you look at the Webster's, the 1828 Webster says, what is prayer? It says the prayer of asking for favor. The prayer is just talking to Yahweh and asking, basically, Yahweh, let your will be established. Let your favor be in my life. Whatever that looks like, I want it, okay? Whatever you say is good for me, that's what I want. Even talks about in the aspect of, of in worship, a solemn address to the supreme being, adoration, expression of a sense of God's glorious perfections, confession of sins, supplication for mercy and forgiveness, intercession, blessing on others, thanksgiving, expression of gratitude to God for his mercies and benefits. Prayer, however, may consist of a single petition or maybe, uh, I can't read that word, <laughs> small print up here, guys. <laughs> It's, it's not, I mean, I know down here it says, you know, a formula or a church service. I'm not just talking about formulas or equations or things that are written here. I'm talking about, it's about a heart set before Yahweh and letting that. And it can be expressed in many different ways. If you have something very urgent going on, you may not even have words to express. You might not even be able to express words. You might not even be able to, to, to explain yourself. Where your cry out to God may simply be, ah! <laughs> it's okay, God can interpret that. Okay, he knows your heart. He knows what you're saying. All you just turn yourself towards Yahweh. Let that prayer come out, and however that may be established. Okay, and uh, let him deal with the heart. What he wants, what he wants is your heart, your desires. Okay, okay. So prayer is the most powerful tool that we have, in an uninterrupted communication with Yahweh. No matter what's happening in your life, no matter what the adversary throws at you, can't stop you from praying. Matter of fact, we read in the scriptures when prayer was, when, when, when people prayed, things tended to happen. How about this? Prayer strengthens our faith. It does. Prayer allows the grace of Yahweh to flow through us and it keeps us in, commun in communion and communication with the Father. Okay? Prayer further is supernatural. No, we're, we're praying in the natural, right? Yes, but prayer is supernatural. Here's the thing about it. You can be praying for someone clear on the other side of the world without a phone. Prayer is supernatural. You can be praying and, and it, it's timeless and limitless and knows no space and no boundaries. You could be praying for anyone, anytime and reach them. Has Yahweh ever put someone on your heart to pray and intercede for someone in the middle of the night? When you're like, okay, I don't want to just call them up and ask them what's going on. That's okay. If you still feel it like you need to call them, call them, you know? Worst, worst case scenario, you woke me up. It's okay, you know? Say, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> My, forgive me. Now let's talk, right? So prayer is... And see, you know, human nature tells us that it's not, you know? So, like something has to be established, something has to be done like this, and it's got to be done in certain ways. Prayer can... How many times have we seen, I mean, you've seen miracles because someone prayed. You've seen hearts change because someone, you've seen lives change because someone prayed. Prayer keeps our focus on the Father so that we're not tempted to fall into, you know, the work of my own hand. So that, any, so that anything that happens, we can say, I did it. No, prayer keeps that out of the equation. We have, we, we pray and we can't help but acknowledge everything we have 
is, is by Yahweh. Everything we have is because He is the one that is given. And we must understand that the prayer and the heart go to... It's hard to pray something that you don't really believe. That you don't. And so Yahweh tells us when we have our heart before Him, it's easier to ask. It's easier to walk with Him in these things if we just lay our heart before Him. If we don't know what to pray for, start off with just thankfulness and worship. And that can flow into prayer. Knowing that it's this setting your heart before Him, this connection with Him that causes us to live with Him daily. You say, we, I want your word in my heart, but that word on our heart is to be established in the relationship that we have with Him. Prayer is personal. Prayer is corporate. And they're done in both ways. Okay, we, see, we see examples of both in the Scriptures. We see where Yeshua said, so when you pray, go to your prayer closet and go off and pray. And, and so when you're doing that, it's you're not doing it to be seen. You're doing it for, for, you know, just off by yourself. And it's your own personal time with the Father. That's okay. But then don't forsake. There are times for corporate prayer. I mean, consider this. And they would come to the temple and they would pray and they would worship and they would bring their offerings and they would do all things. This was amazing times with the Father. They prayed, guys. And we're talking, this isn't just a couple people there. There were thousands of people there, potentially millions during the festivals. So yeah, prayer is corporate, but prayer is also private. And these two don't contradict one another, just certain times and certain things, right? What is the content? Well, really, whatever you want to talk to the Father about, okay? The content of your prayer is just whatever your heart is before Him. But there is a point I want to bring up here for a suggestion. What should the content of our prayer be? Let's look at a couple things. Psalm 141 verse 2 says, Let my prayer be set before you like what? Like incense. And the lifting up of my hands as what? The evening sacrifice. So here in Psalm 141, we're relating prayer and the lifting of our hands. Normally we're lifting our hands in, a, in an act of what? Worship. So as we're praying and we're lifting our hands, we're, we're relating that to the offerings in the temple that were given to the Father. It says the evening sacrifice. The evening sacrifice was the one that was put on to be there all evening, all overnight, to be, to be burnt to ash in the morning. The one that was set before him to be all night long throughout the darkness. So while it was dark, it was supposed to be the light that is shining. With. So while it's the darkest, it's supposed to be keeping that fire lit on the altar. What we're doing. And that's why he was praying here. Let my prayer be like incense and the lifting up of my hands. In Revelation 8, 3 through 5, we see something else that's very similar. Another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer. What's in the censer? Incense, right? And the golden censer. And there was given to him much incense that he should offer it with what? The prayers of the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. What we see here is an example of the prayers of the saints being mixed with the incense going up into the presence of Yahweh and that being mixed in return to fire in the earth. Pretty amazing. Prayer does nothing. Exodus 30 verses 7 to 9. Aaron was given instruction regarding the incense. What was he given? So Aaron shall burn the sweet incense every morning, and when he dresses the lamps, he shall burn the incense upon it. And when Aaron lights the lamps at evening, he shall burn incense on it, a perpetual incense before Yahweh throughout your generations. You shall offer, look at this, you shall offer no strange incense thereon, nor burnt sacrifice, nor meat offering, neither shall you pour drink offering thereon. The fire that was used to bring the incense. We read uh, also through, throughout the Torah, the incense that, or the fire that was used for the incense was taken from the altar. Okay, Who lit the fire on the altar? Yahweh himself. 
lit the fire. So it was the fire of God that was given on the incense to light that when Aaron came with prayers before Yahweh, the incense to go up before him. He says, you don't bring strange incense before me in there. Matter of fact, remember Nadav and Avihu? They offered strange fire before the Lord. Yahweh says, you don't do that, right? Not going there today, but again, the point here is that their prayers that are there, it's not to be profane or not to be... So what should the content... And if we relate it to incense, does that teach us anything? <laughs> Let me show you. Word for incense is ketaret. Ketaret is the word for incense. So should our prayers be like incense? Well, yes. It's, scripture says that our prayers go with incense up before the Father. So how can we relate our prayers with incense? Okay, let's take a look at that. First off, kodesh. Kodesh. Kodesh is holiness. Our prayer should be... Next is what? Tahor. Is clean. Pure motives. Clean. Next is Rahim. Rahim is mercy. Is tikva. When we come before the Father to pray, this is how we can approach. We, we, have, we, we acknowledge He is holy and He's called us to be a holy people. I don't have impure motives. I just want to have dwell in that relationship with the Father and what He desires for me. And we pray for others, having compassion on them and showing mercy towards others and pray that we all can come to the hope of the promise that He has called us. And that's just a, that's just a part. But that would be like incense. Now, if we go to Matthew, part of the Sermon on the Mount, right? If we go to Matthew, we see another example of how Yeshua said to pray. And it's very similar to what we just read in Luke. We go to Matthew, and it says, uh, or this, in the context of what he was saying, Yeshua associated prayer and action. So he said prayer, but not prayer by itself, prayer and action. So the point is, to be personal, do not do or say things just to be seen. It's personal. We're not doing something just so that somebody else can see us do it, okay? However, this is not against corporate prayer, but addresses pride. If you read through the context, it addresses pride and seeking accolades from others, doing things to be seen, doing things to get a pat on the back or look good to somebody else. And that's what Yeshua was talking to us about when he said, don't be like that. So he's not saying you can't get with other people and pray, or you can't pray. Where you're... That's not it. So this is what he's looking at. And then, um, well... So Matthew 6, 1 through 8, it says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before others to be seen by them. Context, right? This is how it starts. So you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you do tzedakah, that's charity or good deeds, do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, so that they may be glorified by men. Amen, I tell you that they have their reward in full. But when you do tzedakah, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your zedekah may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Again, he's not saying you can't do anything. He's just saying if that's your point, just to be seen, that's all you're going to get. You're not going to get the blessing that goes from done. Okay, verse 5. So when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Amen, I tell you, they have their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your inner room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not babble on and on like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. So do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask of them. You ever meet anybody like that? Like just keep repeating the same thing, you know, over and over and over and louder. It's like if I can say it enough and say it louder, you're going to hear me and give me what I want, right? No, being obnoxious is going to get you nothing. Okay, <laughs> so again, this is, what he, this is what he's telling us. It's not about how much you say, or again, it can kind of be a matter of uh, issue of faith as well, you know? When we pray, do we believe that Yahweh meant what he said? If we pray, he, he, he's there and he'll grant it. Yes, absolutely. But at the same time, does it mean that we're not allowed to pray more than once for something? No, not at all, because also remember Daniel and the 21 days, right? 
So again, I'm not talking about you can't pray for something more than once. What I'm saying is when you pray, have faith. Listen, there's an ongoing situation or something. If it's something where we need to meet him every day to pray for something, then meet him every day and pray for something. But if we're consuming our time just talking about the same thing over and over and over and over and over, when are we actually living life? We need to be able to, at some point, move into what the Father's telling us to do. Like James says, it's not about just having faith. It's about faith and what you do. Faith without works is dead. So it doesn't mean that, okay, so you have faith, so you don't do anything. No, he says, so you have faith, so let me show me. And that's a matter of how we live our life. Okay, so moving on, verse 9. So therefore, pray in this way. Our Father in heaven, sanctify be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we forget, or also forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from... Now again, I want to point out, is this a personal, private, individual prayer, or is this corporate? Both. Trick question. Not really. It is both. Because us as individuals need to be praying this, but understanding for the body. I'm not praying anything for me that I'm not praying for you. I'm not praying anything for you that I'm not praying for me. In other words, it's more about seeking the Father's heart and His desire and what He wants us to do and to be established in versus what I want for you. Because see, it's easy when, you, when you're praying for people, it's easy to fall into temptation of, well, what I want to pray. No, it's not about what you It's about what He wants established. And we need to agree with that. How do we know the difference? That just takes time and that's just developed in relation. Again, seek the Father's heart. And all. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18 says, Rejoice how often? How often? Always. Pray how often? Constantly. And in what? Everything give thanks. Now, what's it say next? For this is God's will for you. In the... So if you ever fall into the, into the thing where you say, God, what is your will for me? It could be something as very simple as, God, what is your will for me? Okay, rejoice always. You may have heard it this way, pray without ceasing. Pray constantly. In everything, give thanks, not just in some things and not just in the things you like. In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Messiah Yeshua. Now, we often get, let me back up. It's easy to get hung up in the pray constantly, right? Pray without ceasing. It's easy to get hung up in that because, wait a minute, so I'm not allowed to do anything but pray? It's not what it says. When it says pray constantly, it means pray often, okay? It's like throughout the day. And it doesn't have to be, okay, time to pray, I need to set aside an hour, you know? You can pray as quickly as just a couple seconds. Anytime you stop and turn your attention to the Father and address Him, that is a prayer. What you're doing throughout the day is you're changing your focus in the midst of what is in front of me, turning it back to kingdom issues, turning it back to the Father and back onto what He is desiring for us. And so throughout the day, we need readjustments at times, right? You know, if you're ever traveling on a road and it's a long, straight stretch of highway, is it ever perfectly straight? You just take your hands off the wheel and just, <laughs> you better not. Even if it's a straight stretch of road, you're constantly making little adjustments, aren't you? Our life is like that. Even if we're on the straight path, there are little adjustments that might need to be made along the way. That's what prayer does for us. Throughout the day, we're changing our focus and the intent and the things in our life, putting it back on Him and just readjusting. That's why it says to pray constantly. Ephesians 6, 18 and 19 says, Pray in the Ruach on every occasion with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, Keep alert with perseverance and supplication for all the Kedoshim, for all the holy ones. And pray for me when I open my mouth to make known the boldness, the mystery, the good news. See that? Even Shaul is saying, guys, pray for me too so that I can know what I'm supposed to say, when I'm supposed to say it. And if you've been around for a little while, you know that's important too, right? Not just what to say, but when to say it. And also what not to say, right? 
Because any of these things at the wrong time can cause more problems for us. <laughs> so we need to have some discernment in that too. So we pray for one another even in those. James 5.13 says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him what? Let him pray. Hmm. Why would he say if you're suffering, pray? Because prayer can change. It's not just about, oh, just pray. No, it's lifting, up, lifting each other up in prayer. And if, if, you, if you need that connection with the Father, if anyone is suffering, pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of Messiah's community and let them pray over him, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the one who was sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So confess your offenses one to another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. And the effectual prayer or the effective prayer of a righteous person is very powerful. Pray for one another, lift each other up, want the best for one another, and seek the Father's heart for one another. That's what we're supposed to do. Colossians 4.2 says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Have a thankful heart before the Father so that when we pray, we're doing it. And guys, you know, the thing that you think about throughout the day affects your attitude. You know that? Whatever you're thinking about throughout the day affects your attitude, and it affects how you do things in life. It affects how you approach everything in life. Much like this, if you're talking and you smile, after a while, you're going to start to feel a little different. As long as you're not doing one of those, like, you know. <laughs> but, you know, when you're talking, smile. You know, when, when, when you're praying, be thankful. And, and con it's just, I'm not trying to convince you're doing. And then our focus becomes. Because you have a world out there that's very loud, tiny, very full of pitfalls. It will do anything it can. To, so we need to pray and be steadfast and be thankful. First Chronicles 16.11 says, Seek out and his strength and seek his face. How often? Seek his face. Seek relationship with him. It's not just about, you know, okay, this is what I want you to do for me today. You don't serve an idol, okay? Nor, nor, nor do you serve a vending machine. You have that with you, okay? Psalm 18 and 19. Adonai is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth, and he will fulfill the desire of those who fear him, and he will hear their cry and save them. Not an if, not a maybe. Second Chronicles 6, talking about uh, the Beit HaMikdash, the temple, when, when Solomon built it and was dedicated and he was praying in the dedication of these things, what was his heart in the midst of all this? What was he desiring for the presence of Yahweh in the earth? How was all this coming to be? Well, take a quick look at it. Second Chronicles 6, 17. Now therefore, Adonai, God of Israel, let your word which you spoke to your servant David be confirmed, but will God indeed dwell with mankind on the earth? Behold, a heaven, even the highest heaven, cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built. Yet, attend to the prayer of your servant and to his supplication, Adonai, my God, to hear the cry and the prayer which your servant is praying before you. Verse 20. That your eyes may be open toward this house day and night, toward the place where you have said you would put your name there, to listen to the prayer which your servant will pray toward this place. Not even at this place, but toward this place. Hear the supplications of your servant and your people Israel when they pray toward this place. Hear from your dwelling place from heaven, and when you hear, forgive. Moving on to chapter 7, verse 12. Then Adonai appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I have heard your prayer, and I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, when my people over whom my name is called, humble themselves and pray and seek my face 
and turn from their evil way, and I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open, and my ears attentive to the prayer offered in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house, so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart shall be there. So again, you can pray wherever you are, especially if, if Yahweh dwells within you. You can pray wherever you are. But when Solomon was praying for the dedication of the house, he said, Father, even those who just turn their attention toward this house. In other words, Yahweh said that he placed his name in Yerushalayim. So again, wherever we're praying toward, we're just changing our focus to him. And so when we're changing our focus to him, he says, I will hear you. No matter where you, no matter where you are, he will hear you. And then we come, we, we, we come in agreement with him. So what's prayer for? Prayer for anyone who desires to reach out to Yahweh. Prayer is for anyone who desires that relationship with him. That prayer starting with the prayer of repentance. And then so that could be like, okay, well, I prayed once 30 years ago. I don't have to pray anymore. No, it should be daily and throughout the day. Because that's it. No matter where you are, no matter what's going on, no matter where you came from or where you're going, if you turn your heart to what he says, he, and then when we come to him, he says, you are now part of a people set apart and called. Look in Isaiah. Isaiah 56, verses 4 through 7. It says, For thus says Adonai, to the eunuchs who keep my, Shab my Shabbatot, my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, I will give to them in my house and within my walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. And I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. I don't want to be graphic, but consider this, guys. Why would God use a eunuch even in that situation? Because a eunuch cannot bear the sign of the covenant for circumcision, right? So God is saying, is the issue circumcision or is the issue the heart? The issue is the heart. But it's always been that way, okay? So again, even those who, who follow after my heart, who hear my voice, do what I say. Keep these things, keep the holy things holy. Who honor him. He will hear. And he says he will give them an everlasting name that will not be. Verse 6. Also the foreigners. who See, those who are not born Israel. Those of the nations. Who join themselves to Adonai. To minister to him. See, it's not about, okay, so now you're redeemed. Now it's all about you. No, it was all about you before you were redeemed. Now it's about him. Right? So who join themselves to Adonai. To minister to him to love the name of Adonai, to be his servants, all who keep from profaning Shabbat, hold fast to my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain and let them rejoice in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be acceptable at my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Now we may remember that part in the Brit Hadashah where Yeshua says, my house is supposed to be called a house of prayer for all nations, right? You know, I mean, what was the, what was the point in, in, in Isaiah though? What was the context of that scripture? Covenant and relationship. He says, my house will be called a house of prayer for all people. But if you go back to the context of the scripture that was given, there it was about keeping Shabbat, being in covenant, having relationship. So this, there are certain elements of the worship from the Mishkan and the Beit HaMikdash that are even in many services, many places today. The temple service was fashioned after the service in the tabernacle. Did you know that? Because remember when Yahweh says to build the Mishkan, and then they had the altar, and then they had the services that were done there. And when they brought the animals for the offerings, there were songs and, and prayers and things that would accompany these. And they did this throughout the day, right? 
So when the Mishkan was no longer there and the temple was established, there were things that happened in the temple that were fashioned after the tabernacle service. And then the synagogue services were fashioned or arranged around the temple service. When the Corban was brought, when the offerings were brought in the temple, there would be prayers and offerings and songs and things that were singing that would be sung throughout the cities and in the synagogues at the same time. When they brought the, the, the morning offerings, the afternoon offerings, the evening offerings in the synagogues, they would be singing the psalms that would accompany the offerings in the temple. And then they would be praying the prayers that would be accompanying, the, the, that would be happening in the temple. What they were doing is they were connecting themselves with what was happening in Jerusalem at the temple. Like if we, if we can't be there, we can at least pray with everybody. And if we can't be there, at least we can be involved in their worship, right? So what are some of the things that happen? Elements, some elements of worship from the Mishkan. The early church services mirrored many parts of the prayers and the liturgy from the synagogue. A lot of the Protestant churches kept much of the worship service as well. How many of you guys heard the Aaronic benediction before you even knew what it was? You know, at the end of many Protestant services, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord, guess what guys? That was the prayer that Yahweh says he was given to, to, to Aaron in Numbers chapter 6, that this is how I want you to pray for the people of Israel. This is how I want you to bless them. And so even in now, there are many times people will use this at the close of their service, us included, to say that, uh, I get it, but it's tying in to the services that were done in the tabernacle and the temple. So it was the morning in the Mishkan. The morning in the Mishkan, the ashes from the night were removed. The very first thing that, that was done was the old ashes from yesterday were taken off the altar and removed. The fire was stoked and new fire for today was put on. So the first thing we're reminded of is everything that was there for yesterday is reduced to ash and it's gone. Today is something new and keep that fire lit. All right. So there, there it was. So the fire was stoked. The tamid, the tamid is the continual offering. And the, the tamid in the morning, there was lambs put on in the morning. And then in the evening, after all the other offerings were done, there was one put on in the evening that was to be all night long and reduced to ash that was removed in the morning. Just a cycle. So while this was happening, the, uh, the morning incense was offered. So again, while the offering was being established there, the incense was being offered, prayers were going up, the menorah was being trimmed, it was being refueled, keeping that fire going, keeping it lit, doing all these, letting the light shine, all this being established. The morning service is called the shacharit, which is from the word shachar, which means dawn. So as the morning, the shacharit, so in the dawn, this is coming in, it's, this is what was happening in the tabernacle. So after all the offerings were brought, a second lamb was brought. This was another tamid. This was about the ninth hour, about 2 or 3 p.m. And the afternoon of the evening service was referred to as the Mincha. And then prayer and worship were done all in these times, all accompanying themselves. Okay? During both of these services, even in the time of Yeshua, these things were being done continual and continual. Prayers accompanied the offerings, and these became known as the times of prayer. Now, guess what, guys? You can pray any time. But this became known as the times of prayer when it was intentional that you stopped and, and people prayed together, okay? One of the things that were done here in this time was the Shema and the Amidah. They were spoken by the priesthood for all that were present. What, is, what are these things? We'll cover that in a second. So then the evening service came. See, the evening service is Ma'ariv. Ma'ariv from the word Erev, which means evening, okay? Ma'ariv. So then the afternoon Tamid was laid on. It, upon any offerings that was left on the altar, it was there to burn all night. The Shema and the Amidah were said again. And in all these services and the offerings, again, the, the psalms were sung in the temple, the synagogues, and in the homes, okay? Things like this. Psalm 134, 1 through 3, says a song of ascent, Shir Hama'alot, a song that ascends, okay? A song that goes up. 
says, Come, bless Adonai, all you servants of Adonai, who serve each night in the house of Adonai. Who are the ones who serve at night? What was the responsibility of those who serve at night? To keep that fire on the altar burning. To keep that fire on the altar lit. That was the primary thing that was happening overnight. Everybody else was sleeping. Okay, And it says, literally where it says, those who serve each night in the house of Adonai, literally it's ma'omdim, babayit Yahweh. Omdim is the word amad. What is amad? Stand. Amad is the word that means to stand. So literally, those who stand all night in the house of Yahweh. Guess where we get the word for the 18 benedictions, 18 prayers that are prayed every day? From this word stand. They're called the Amidah. So the idea here, as they're standing and watching over these ashes, watching over these offerings, watches over these things, and here on the altar, what are they going to do? They're going to stand here. What are they going to do? They're going to pray. They're going to keep their intent on this and keep their job at the task at hand, and they're going to pray. So as they're serving all night, that's what they're getting at. They're standing, but they're standing in the presence of Yahweh and serving Him by keeping that fire lit, and they're keeping their, their, their hearts set to Him. So lift up your hands toward the sanctuary and bless Adonai. May Adonai, the maker of heaven and earth, bless you from sea. So first 18, 36 to 39. So at the time of the offering of the oblation, Eliyahu, remember the story of Eliyahu, right? The 400 prophets of Baal. And he said, let's have a showdown. Let's see who the real God is. The God who answers by fire. He is the one true God. So they went and, and the prophets of Baal cried out, cried out, and cried out. And Eliyahu's mocking them. Some of you are going, yeah, I know what he what you think? And exactly what he said. I mean, he's mocking them all to no agree. Maybe he's on vacation. Maybe he's in the bathroom. Yell louder. Really? And, and so all this going on, ultimately what happens? All right, so now it's, now it's Eliyahu's turn. What's he going to do? Dig a pit or throw some water in. Throw some more water. You done with that? Throw some... Now let's put the off. That will happen. But consider this for a moment. Time of day. The time of the offering. Eliyahu set up his offering to be done and established at the times that were supposed to be the offerings in the temple and in the tabernacle. So it's not just, well, when he's crying out and praying, who knows how many other faithful would have been praying at the same time? We don't know. We're not told. But when Eliyahu said, God, I'm the only one, he said, who do you think you are? You're not the only one. You're just the only one you know of. <laughs> That's it. He keeps that. So, so again, prayer has no boundaries. It's limitless. So again, why the evening offering? Why wait until the time of the evening offering? Again, to unite the prayer with those who would be in prayer as well. Daniel 6.10. What about this? When Daniel learned of the law that had been signed, he went home and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open toward Jerusalem and he prayed how often? Three times a day. Why? Because it was a good number? No, because they were the times of prayer that were established in Jerusalem at the temple, three times a day. The three services, the morning, the afternoon, and the evening service. So as these services were, were going on, or supposed to be going on in Jerusalem, he would go up to his room, open the windows, and pray toward Jerusalem. to say, if I can't be there, I'm at least going to join my prayers with him. And it says, then he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done. Give thanks to him. It's interesting to note what we call, well, it's, those are the Old Testament times of prayer. Guess what? They're in the New Testament too. You want to see a couple places? They're like, no, we're done. <laughs> we'll take your word for it. No, listen. I'm saying these things were established for them. So should they be at least something we consider? To pray continually? To pray constantly? To pray throughout the day? Look at this. Acts 10. Which, by the way, if you're familiar with the story, Acts 10 is the foundation for Peter's vision. How many of you understand Peter's vision had nothing to do with food? You see, and, and it's like, 
this right here establishes the foundation for what was happening to Peter. Plus, later, Peter de defines himself what the vision was twice. So it has nothing to do with food. And it's all about a people called by his. But again, notice the foundation, Acts 10, 1 through 6. Now in Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. Who was he? He was a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort. So he was not Israel, was he? And he was a devout man, revering God with all his household. He gave Zedekiah generously to the people, and he prayed to God continually. And about the ninth hour of the day, which is when? About three, about between two and three in the afternoon. Why would he be praying about that time? You guys know, because this is the time they were doing the offerings in the temple. Him being not of Israel, and it says he was in the Italian cohorts. Could he go into the temple and offer an offering? So again, more to consider. So he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming and saying to him, Cornelius, and he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And the angel said to him, your prayers and Zedekah, your prayers and offerings, your prayers and your doing have gone up as a memorial offering before God. So now send men to Jaffa and call for Shimon, also named Peter. He is being entertained as a guest by Shimon the Tanner, whose house is beside the sea. Cut in chapter 10 later. So Peter, it was about the time of day for prayer, and he was up praying. See what I mean? This is all connected, all of these things. And then these men who were sent show up to Peter. Peter said, God has shown me not to call anything unclean that God has cleansed. Speaking of this man. So again, talking about the times of prayer though, not getting further into that. Acts 2.15. Remember uh, on Shavuot, right? It was a wild scene. What was happening? And people were saying, well, these guys must be drunk. No, again, what was, what was said there? These people aren't drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Why would that be important? Well, other than it was nine in the morning, they shouldn't be drinking, right? <laughs> Why else? Because it was the time of the morning prayers. Okay, this was the time of the prayers that were doing in the morning. Why do you think they were gathered there for prayer at the temple? Because it was the time that, where they did that. Okay, Acts 3.1. One afternoon at three o'clock, the hour of Mincha prayers, as Kepha and Yohanan, as Peter and John were going up to the temple, why were they going up to the temple at three o'clock? Was the time for the prayers. And Acts 2.42 says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and look at the way it says that, the prayers, not just praying. It doesn't say, and praying. It says, and the prayers. You know what that, that implies? The corporate prayer the gathering together and community of prayer. So again, when the temple was destroyed, the prayer services continued. Why? Because they could destroy the temple, but they cannot stop you from praying, okay? Nor, nor should it stop you from praying. So they continued to pray. And so even though the temple was destroyed, the people still came together and united together at the same time to pray. And one of the common prayers that were prayed then and even today was the Shema and the Amidah. What is the Shema? Very briefly here, it's three passages of scripture. Three passages of Scripture that are done. It's Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, Deuteronomy 11, 13 to 21, and Numbers 15, 37 to 41. Go read them. Go look them up. This is the Shema. And you'll notice the, pass, the, the focus of these is Yahweh is God. He is God. There is no other. Okay? We serve Him His way, and we will teach it to our children. This is the foundation of all of these things that were being prayed here. All right? And for the Amidah, Tradition holds that the Amidah was attributed to Ezra and the men of the Great Assembly. Remember when they all came back and returned to Yerushalayim, helped build up the walls, and they found the scrolls, and they did all these things, right? So 
the, the Amidah prayers are attributed to Ezra and the men of the great assembly. It's a compilation of prayers, small, short prayers for each one, but given 18 together there. It's called the Shemone Esrei, 18. Interesting fact, though, if you were to write 18 in Hebrew, how would you write it? Chet Yod, which is a word. What is it? Chai. Chai is life. So in other words, in some aspect of our life, no matter what we're going through, there's something in here that's going to touch in our lives to show us how to refocus our day, to turn our attentions back to Yahweh, and to come back and to focus on what He's desiring for us, which we need, which we need. Even on a straight path, we still need to make little adjustments along. So the Amidah prayers, they allow us to come together and pray in unity. I'm not saying you can't pray by yourself. You should, and please do, Okay. But when we come together to pray, if we need prayer as an individual, then what's it say? You talk to the elders, get prayer, and that's, that's great. If you need it, do it. But when we come together to pray as a people and as a body, we also need to turn our attention back to Yahweh, what He wants and His desires, and letting Him reign in our life. We can pray together with one voice and agree together. Now, what would happen a lot of times is they would come in and they would pray. They would pray the Shema and the Amidah, and then after that, then the personal and private individual prayers would follow, okay? Because the reason there being, let us focus ourselves toward the Father, what He wants, His desires, learning, learning to, again, putting ourselves there, and then we should be in the right frame of mind to then come before Him and to, and to pray, okay? We're not just like coming in off the street and saying, Lord, bless that guy that cut me off. No, we, we should hopefully by then have our focus about us to pray as we should. So, the Amidah, is it relevant for followers of Yeshua? Well, sure, sure, sure. Here's a couple of things. It's the prayer of the daily times of sacrifice, right? Which means it was being prayed during his crucifixion. It was being prayed about the time of his death. And it was being prayed about the time of his resurrection. Can you imagine? In the prayers of the Amidah, we're talking about sending a Messiah. <laughs> there he is. We're talking about restoring life to us. There he is. We're talking about gathering the exiles and gathering in your people from all over the place. And who's the one that's going to do that? There he is. So should, is it relevant for followers in Yeshua? I would hope so. I would hope so. Look at, look at just quickly. I'm not going to break them all down for you. If you want a copy, I do have some copies for the Amidah prayer. If you don't have them up here, so you can grab them after. Okay. And if we run out, I'll make more. The blessings are the prayers of the Amidah. First is the God of history, the God of nature. It's for the sanctification of God, a prayer for understanding, a prayer for repentance, a prayer for forgiveness, prayer for deliverance from affliction, a prayer for healing, a prayer for deliverance from want, a prayer for gathering the exiles, a prayer for the righteous reign of God, a prayer for the destruction of apostates and the enemies of God, a prayer for the righteous and the proselytes, a prayer for the rebuilding of Jerusalem, a prayer for the messianic king, and a prayer for the answering of prayer, and a prayer for the restoration of the temple service, and thanksgiving for God's unfailing mercies and for peace. These are the prayers that are involved in that. Now, Rabbi Eliezer, a younger contemporary of Yeshua, taught an abbreviation of the Amidah. So if you want to pray the Amidah, and for whatever reason, you're really short on time, you really just can't pray through the whole thing, is there like a Reader's Digest version that we can get? The answer was yes. Yes, there was. Rabbi Eliezer taught it this way. May your will be done in heaven above. Grant peace of mind to those who fear you on earth below, and do what seems best to you. Blessed are you, O Lord, who answers prayer. This sounds familiar. Does this sound familiar to you? Sounds familiar to me. Yeshua said it this way, our Father who art in heaven, it's the same. And so again, what Yeshua was telling them was a matter of when you're praying, 
Yes, pray for what you need. Yes, pray for your family. Yes, do that. But don't forsake your part of being a part. Pray for one another. And we know that the kingdom is kind of upside down. You pray for what you need too, you know? So we, as, and in that way, we're all constantly lifting each other up. So again, let's compare this. For the Amidah and Yeshua's prayer, I know that's really small print, but I will read it through you, to you, okay? So first off, the Amidah prayer and Yeshua's prayer. Just as an example. Uh, for the God of nature and the sanctification of God, Yeshua says, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. For the reign of God and the rebuilding of Jerusalem, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For prayer for deliverance from want, he says, give us this day our daily bread. Prayer for repentance and forgiveness, Yeshua said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Prayer for the righteous and the proselytes, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And the thanksgiving for God's unfailing mercies, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The point is this. All that. <laughs> prayer is an expression of it doesn't have to be said it towards it's a connection to keep us focused to keep us from getting off because we have plenty of opportunity in a world that is constantly buying trying to get your attention and trying to pull you off in a world that is ever changing where what is good changes every day what is evil changes every day in a world that calls good evil and evil good we have a never change the same yesterday and he says when they pray wait to be we turn our hearts toward the father we hear his voice and you to follow him amen